Hello, one and all, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is March the 22nd of 2023. I am Nick, joined by Quinn, and we have manga to talk about today mm-hmm. in, a, in a weekly recappy fashion. Isn't that great? Yep. Normally, I swear I'd make a joke about like, well, I sure hope we do or something like that. But we've been over that ground. It's trodden. I think now's is the time to embrace. Yeah, we do recap manga on a weekly basis. And it's not dumb that we didn't call our podcast something innovative and catchy, you know, like inside the coma or some shit, you know, that would actually have like search optimization uh, stuff, you know, weekly manga recap. It works. Yeah. You put the quotes around our name. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's hey, we give so much to you if you want to search us just to remember the quotation marks. I always forget you can do that, too. It's very helpful to actually find what you want. Yeah. Uh, Especially like uh, we're not we're not going to talk about Monster Musume uh, this this week. uh, It's on on me. I've only I've only read like a volume of it. And I'm like, the people need to know all all of my feelings on the hierarchy of monster. ladies, And I've only met like four uh, of them. There's there's a there are tier lists that have been shared in our on our Discord. So the centaur uh, has to be at the bottom of everyone's list, right? Like I don't care how uh, much you're into breasts, but that thing yeah. sucks. Yeah, she's she's not she's not even she's not nearly at the bottom as far as the main three girls go for oh, me. No. So no main three girls, she's my best. Uh, oh, that's okay. not that's not that's not very high compliment for her. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a little preview there. I, I I just want I just wanted to like clarify we're not talking about it this week. Purely because, like, if you try and search for, like, you know, Monster Girl series, like, it's really hard to just find that series nowadays if you don't, like, use quotation marks or happen to know, like, enough of the Japanese title to be able to search for it. Because, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of it out there, uh, as I have found out recently. <laughs> And all the characters look the same because, like, one person came up with Monster Girl designs. Everyone was like, "Yeah, taking those." Yeah, so. yoink. <laughs> um, so, but instead, uh, we're gonna be uh, starting things off with uh, just some undead unluck because uh, we are My Hero Academia is uh, still in a little bit of a, uh, of a of a short hiatus right now. So, um, I guess let's let's talk about. Let's talk about the the sad boy Billy. Yes. Uh, on a Billy tangent, did you see that the Power Rangers anniversary things coming to Netflix next month? I did. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it, and I was immediately like, "Did you really have to like kill her off?" That's I did a think. I did, I did think that was a bit strange. I was like, "Okay, guys, fucking." We've got to ex- we've got to explain why you know she's not there. It's like Kimberly's not there. <laughs> you can you for like decades now just had people show up in costumes and I'm like thanks for showing up you know and whoever whatever actor was not able to be present for this <laughs> and yeah. then their suits just go like thumbs up that's it look as long as they move their arms in a really snappy way we'll believe that they're the actor under there it's fine yeah they, 
you guys did a special about all of the Red Rangers, and the second Red Ranger wasn't there. <laughs> uh, this is Undead Unlock number 151, Horizon. So we open with a montage of sort of like Billy's uh, greatest evil hits, but, you know, we realize now they weren't really evil. He just has a philosophy that he believes only the strong one should face gods or should face God because he's trying to protect everyone else. Um, so we cut to the present Fuko's like all right we you know we did it take the helm Gina because there's something I've got to do and she's riding a little uh space elevator up uh and she's thinking this whole time but trying to come up a way to to keep you from being a loner while also keeping Tatiana from being sad and I'm sure the answer is she gets to the top and Billy is like hanging to the roof of this thing (laughs) screaming like oh help me I'm gonna die and Fuko's like, oh, I see you. And Billy's like, gets stands up, starts smoking a cigarette. He's like, I was always wondering who was going to be this third party. Uh, Fuko just notes like, oh, I guess his silly side is actually his true nature. This is all an act he puts on. Yeah. Uh, Billy's like, all right, so you have, you've stolen disc. What are you going to use it for? And Fuko's like, well, we're the ones in possession of it, so actually it makes more sense for you to tell us what you would do with it, since you're the one playing to steal it. And he's like, alright, fine. Well, we're gonna use it to become the world's enemies. Uh, basically, you know, start doing all this stuff, and basically the, 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 the plot of Watchmen, like, we're gonna make ourselves such a big enemy that everyone will unite to stop us, you know? And Foucault's like, damn really like you <laughs> it's really like you mr billy really trying to be like the villain and and get everybody this is just like how it was with tatiana and he, he also specifically references independence day which i believe yeah in the timeline because they start off in like the late 70s and then skipped ahead like 20 years what i guess have been a recent reference in their <laughs> current timeline <laughs> That does seem to imply that America does exist then. Because how could you yes. do Independence Day you, without America? You can't. <laughs> um, but basically, Foucault kind of gives like a quick synopsis of Billy's previous loop life and everything like that. And she's explaining what his relationship with Tatiana is. And she's like, you did all this. So, so long as you can become strong enough to create a world that she could live in. And you became hatred in order to achieve your goal. And Billy's just like, I don't know who you're talking about, but I like them. <laughs> like, I yeah. I understand their thought process and only the strong should have to fight. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know why I wanted to call her Vicky Fuko. right there. Fuko was just like, yeah, and I've gotten stronger over the past 200 years. Uh, and, you know, the whole while... I've been, you know, working on all this and trying to think out how to make you believe in us. So we're just going to have to prove we're as strong as we say you are. So everyone beat the shit out of Billy. <laughs> it was a, it is probably the most surprising thing that happens to this. Where she's like, all right, guys, beat him. <laughs> yeah, just like jump in and start pummeling this nerd. Uh, so everyone starts beating him up. There's like, uh, you know, Void gets in there for a shot. Uh you know, uh, Yasuo keeps him from drawing his gun, slashes. He goes to try to, like, reach for his gun with his other hand, and he bumps into Unseen, who's, like, about to be like, time to be the Leaper! Just gets elbowed in the face, but he did contribute, I guess. Um, 
And Fuko is like, jumps right in position. She's going to show everything. And like, Billy realizes he's done when Untel intercepts the shot. And uh, Billy's just, or Fuko, I guess, just like, wait, he stopped the revolver's bullet with his hand? Does that mean he's he's expanded his interpretation of Untel in such a short period of time? And I don't, like, the first time I read this, I was like, how the fuck? Does he interpolate or, or uh, extrapolate like untelling people into stopping bullets? Yeah. Someone in the Discord posited the idea. I'm sorry, I don't remember who it is at this point in time, but they were like, because bullets are a form, uh, like our bad bullets are a form of communication. Fuko is attempting to communicate, and he is stopping communication. But I'm like, how does fucking Tella know that? <laughs> like he just sees a gun. He doesn't know this shit. Um, but yeah, he comes up away, he stops the bullet, whatever, I'll, 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 I'll rock with it. Tella's just very intensely like, I'm gonna protect my boyfriend, uh, until he gets paired off with fucking, I don't know, like, the love girl or some shit like that at the end of the series. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, Fuko's explained like, hey, look, it's, I'm the same as Mr. Tella, I wanna, what, did I say someone's name wrong? No, it just occurred to me. What if one of like the members of this of uni that we haven't met yet is like unhomo, and like that's the reason why we've got oh all no, normative feelings going. They just keep negating queerness. I'm like, oh, things are starting to really make sense. I don't, I don't know if you guys want this person in your group. Um. Basically, Foucault's like, look, uh, we don't want you to try to bear all this in your on your own. That in and of itself would be unfair, wouldn't it? None of us are above or beneath anyone else. We should stand sides as equals. This time around, join me. No, join us in our fight. So Billy's like, it's weird. Like, this feels weirdly nostalgic for me, and I completely believe you. But, like, I can't stand before all my comrades and, like you know, completely comply with their directives. So you're going to have to force me to. And he tosses Fuko a gun and he, he's like, yeah, it's a single action gun. We're going to have a quick, a quick draw duel. And once this coin hits the floor, it's going to start. And of course people are like, Whoa, what are you doing? And Fuko's like, you know, all right, don't worry about it. Billy puts the rules. He's like, look, I'll win if I shoot you through your right ear, because I'm a better shot than you are. You just need to hit me anyway, any place on my body. And of course you can you can shoot to kill. But, you know, people are trying to stop her. Fugo's like, what's in the ear in the face of gaining a potential ally? It's well worth the risks. So the rules are in there. If Billy wins, they get disc, and if Fugo wins, Tella and Billy will join up the team, and they're gonna have a good old fashioned fucking cowboy quick draw fight. So Yeah. Pretty cool shit. Yeah, it's um, there is a there's this bit at the end where, you know, Billy, you know, spins the gun around and then holsters it really fancy like and Fuko can do the same thing. Of course, she has been around for hundreds of years uh, in this timeline. And so we and she uses bad luck bullets now. So she's gotten pretty good with the gun, presumably. Uh, but I like how even then like, people are like, no, no, this is this is Billy's area of expertise. Like, so he. He's just like that naturally talented at shooting guns, uh, which again has nothing to do with like, with like his his negator ability. He's just good at shooting guns. 
So well, it's interesting. I wonder if we'll get in this universe uh, where Billy manifests his negator ability as unbelievable, which was an ability he had from somebody else. We never met the real mm. unbelievable before. But I wonder if that's what's maybe going to happen this time. Because it'd be weird if you got on fair again and you're like, all yeah, right, like so how, you gotta... how does, how's that going to work? <laughs> yeah, everyone trusts each other. So it'd be a weird power to have. So I, I, I'm curious if he'll get, just get unbelievable in this world because that's what his true nature or whatever kind of seems like it's more meant to Possibly. get. We'll see. Yeah, I, 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 like I don't really know how this is going to play out. Um, I kind of feel like now that he's called his shot and he says he's going to put a hole in Fuko's ear at them, like, I feel like that's actually going to happen now. So, you know, how are they going to go about this uh, and convince him to join them? Uh, but there's some nice stuff in this chapter. Uh, I have no idea. I, I still don't b- believe in any form of logic that says that the inability to communicate means that he can stop bullets now, but I'll take it. Um, and uh, I also just kind of like the sequence of people beating up Billy because there's a lot of movement and action. And, it, you know, it features the characters that we are not super familiar with still getting to do more stuff. So uh, it's a nice, fun little eventual chapter. And as indicated, you know, it's nice to just see Billy's true self kind of coming out. And before he goes, uh, well... This is the nature of all battles that they <laughs> <laughs> I love that's the best moment of the chapter. It's just to be like, uh Yeah, very silly. I also want to have to say, like, just the general thing involving Billy, like we, we see this thing that happens with a lot of villains and shonen stuff where they have some sort of noble purpose behind their uh you know, wanting to be the bad guy as in like, Oh, I have to be the bad guy because in reality I'm protecting everyone. But in this case, like a tremendous portion of the story is just getting past the whole villain arc stuff and having him, you know, redeem himself and actually be around because a lot of times that kind of character just gets to, you know, nobly sacrifice themselves in order to redeem themselves. If that, so nice to just kind of skip over that and be like, look, we like Billy. He's cool. Let him just be a be a good guy for the majority yeah. of the series. Yep, seems like a good turnabouts. Speaking of turnabouts, okay, yeah. okay, everyone. So let's all uh, are we all like we, we all buck it up. We we all we all happy with where we are right now. We, we got nice like yeah snack. Enjoy yourself. You got like, a, you got, do you have like a stuffed animal? You're your cuddle buddy right now. I Just wish. like settle yourself. <laughs> Boruto, chapter number seventy nine, omnipotence in the most unreadable color combination on this front page: dark mustard yellow on ketchup red. So that was very hard for me to read a few times. The first few times that I tried to read this. All right. So, Boruto uh, has just driven off Kawaki, who was trying to kill him. Uh, his eye is injured because uh, Serato did a stupid thing and tried to protect him. <laughs> Can you believe it? And now, uh, Otsutsuki uh, Shmegi uh, it sa- it says, it's already begun. <laughs> he literally goes, he he he. Uh, Shikamaru is running around and going, God, why am I here? I'm useless. Uh, they're trying to you know, capture Kawaki. Uh, Shikadai uh, and and his team are all, happen to see everything from the shadows. And they're like, let's go and try and find Kawaki. Uh, 
Sasuke starts issuing orders a lot. Well, no, Ko, sorry, Konohamaru issues orders. Those like, hey, Sarada Mitsuki, you take Boruto to get you know his eye checked out at the hospital. Uh, I'm gonna search for Kawaki. Uh, and so they head off, and Mitsuki's like, oh, I'm gonna go after Kawaki too. You you stay here, Sarada. You watch over Boruto because you did such a great job of that in the last chapter. So, uh. Sarada thinks about like what Mitsuki said before, which is, look, if someone were ever to actually really try and kill Boruto, I don't know what I would do. So he's she's worried like, oh, he's going to go a little crazy right now. Uh, Boruto says, Sarada, stick with Mitsuki. Leave me alone. <laughs> Everyone give me contracting orders. You guys stay with Boruto. Sarada, stay with Boruto. Don't stay with me. <laughs> so uh, she well, she, starts she's, got, she's got to hang off on the side. Everyone's like, whoa, hey, what are you doing? This is this is for the men to not solve. Basically. <laughs> we all we have all discovered we all have equally ineffective ways of tracking this guy. So don't worry, we'll handle this. Like, OK. So Boruto clutches his eye and just kind of stands there. Uh, meanwhile, off in the woods somewhere, Kawaki's jutsu fades. He he's running. He's basically running out of chakra, and so he can't maintain his shrinky time form. Uh, so this allows Ada to detect him with her power because I don't know him being small again. He, she can't see him. I don't know. I, her power is like surveillance cameras, I guess. And so if he's microscopic, she can't see him. I guess that's how it works. But now he's there. He's regular size, so she sees him and immediately flies off into the air, which again she can do. So she flies off into the air to go and find him, uh, and Damon's like, hey, wait! Uh, but Ada ignores him. Uh, Amado gets in contact with Shikamaru uh, and says, hey, I, I need to, to tell you how to deal with Kawaki. And Shikamaru's like, shut up! And he says, no, no, listen. You don't need to kill Kawaki, because there's a way to abruptly cause it to shut down. If you have, see, I've got a unique command code key to my voice, just like with Delta. You know, I need to be in direct sight with him to activate it, but then I can stop him. And Chigmar's like, why didn't you tell us this before? Look, just don't, I need him alive, okay? And Chigmar's like, "I look, I know you need Kawaki's powers to bring your daughter back, but look, he, he try, he's captured the Hokage and his wife and is trying to kill Boruto. So unless he yields completely, we have to deem him an enemy and eliminate him. And I was like, no, wait. I, was like, I mean, look, Shikamaru is. Yeah, that's, that, that kind of makes sense why he's acting this way. Like, yeah, Kawaki is basically an assassin right now. So they've got to try and stop him. I like that there's just like a shutdown button for these fucking kids. <laughs> like, it's just like, there's a code I could say that'll turn them off. Like, all right, once again, we're not going to really get into the ethics. And like, I understand in this situation, you'd be like, look, he's like become a, a you know, terrorist. Like, we have to kind of stop him. But it, it's just one of those things of this. This feels like an element of this world that will go thoroughly unexamined. <laughs> yeah. This again feels like, you know, remember when Kishimoto talked about how, like, oh, you know, I'd love to do a sci-fi series, but, you know, you gotta, like, readers have to have patience for all the stuff you want to introduce. It's like, no, not the way you do sci-fi <laughs> stuff. You just, like, do insert random bullshit whenever you want to. So. Yeah, the worlds can change it on a whim. But I spent all this time explaining gravity. It's like, yeah, didn't really matter, did it? So. 
Well, Nick, the Samurai 8 fans will come after you if you say this. No, no, all eight of them. So, <laughs> oh, Nick, but they turned, don't, yeah, but they turned they, sideways. They turned themselves sideways and they'll never oh! stop me. <laughs> Uh, Ada finds Kawaki, approaches him, uh, and uh, she says, look, I'm on your side. And Kawaki's like, when you're coming near me, despite being unable to erase your chakra signature, you're basically broadcasting my location to them. All right. So she says, look, you can't escape the way things are right now. But if I'm with you, you'll be fine because I won't let anyone touch you. It's like, fair enough. Look, if, there, if there's one person in the world you want to have, like, to be your bodyguard, it's the person that literally no one can act against. So I'll take, I would take it. But uh, he's stuck, you know, he's like, gets down on his knees and he's like, God damn it. Like, I, I, I don't matter. You should just forget about me. You should protect the seventh Hokage, Naruto. Uh, and he says, look, if I don't kill Momoshiki, then Naruto in the village that he loves are going to be destroyed and I can't let things stay this way. Once he breaks free, that's it. You know, it's irreversible. It's beyond repair. But the guy that I'm trying to kill is the Hokage's son. So this insanely complicates matters. Nobody in Konoha is going to kill the threat to the Hokage. So no one would ever do that. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, also he thinks about how, like, he and Boruto, like, became friends who would bro-fist each other and stuff. But then when he thinks of Boruto bro-fisting him, when he says bro, he goes otsutsuki fikaid. So he's like, oh, <laughs> oh only an evil man would say bro that way. <laughs> I love that specific. <laughs> the verb, otsutsuki defied. Ah! Otsutsuki. <laughs> She Otsutsuki fi, Otsutsuki five. That's how, that is yeah. the proper form as has been established in the series. Uh, so uh, Kawaki just starts to get really upset, and he literally like lunges forward towards Ada and grabs her by the shoulders to like shake her. He's like, why did it have to be him? And it is like, oh my god, you're so close. Uh, but he's but you know Kawaki's like, why did this the guy who has Momoshiki in him? have to be this way why why couldn't it be anyone else someone who wasn't the hokage's son who wasn't my brother you know a stranger then no one would care if they died if they were an outsider like me uh and then he's like yes as i say at this point i was kind of digging this chapter a little bit not a lot but i was like look we get to hear kwaki's mindset you can really see that he's he's struggling with this you yeah, know, he there's, he doesn't want to kill Boruto. Yeah, so there's pain there. It doesn't justify him or anything like that, but there's like a complication. And you're like, yeah. okay, let's see where this goes. Just don't be something stupid and go. So Kawaki says, "Hey, da, you've got this all-seeing Senrigan. So look at me. See me for the powerless piece of garbage that I am." All right, but she cups his head between her hands and looks into his eyes and an aura starts glowing around her and the aura shoots up in the air and explodes outward 
and outward and outward and outward and outward and it encompasses the entire planet and when this happens you know ada you know then falls back down and kind of collapses into kawaki's arms uh and uh I guess she gets embarrassed because she's near him. I think that that's why she reacts the way that she does. Uh, but at that moment, oh my gosh, uh, the the ninja scouts discover them. They've discovered Kawaki. But <gasps> Nick, oh no, he's gonna have to kill a bunch of people. He's it's, he's gonna have to kill them in order to get away. Uh, but uh, looks around like, wait, what's going on? Momoshiki goes sneer. It's in it's in a word bubble, so he actually goes sneer. He doesn't make a sneer sound effect. He just says the word sneer. Uh, and uh, Kawaki starts to use his abilities, but Ada like stops it and says something's off. Uh, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Kawaki's out here for some reason." And they're like, "We've detected Boruto's chakra near the stone faces." Uh, and Serata hears this chatter and goes, why do they want to know where Boruto is? Uh, and and she looks at Mitsuki and says, oh, if something's happened with him, we should go and find Boruto. Uh, Momoshiki talks to Boruto and mocks him and says, how does it feel to lose everything? And Boruto's like, why don't you tell me what's about to go down? You know, because he's cool like that. Uh-huh. And Momoshiki just says, look behind you. And Mitsuki and Serata are the first to come across Boruto, which makes sense. They were the last to leave him behind, so they're the first closest to him. And he's like, what's going on? What 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 about Kawaki? And Serata's like, yeah, I don't know. What the hell's going on? And then Mitsuki takes off his headband dramatically and says, he's dangerous. Boruto, you have managed to truly anger me. Oh, and horns start growing from his head. And snakes are coming out of him and stuff. So they're like, what the hell is happening? Uh, and uh, one of the scouts, meanwhile, who's come across Kawaki is like, oh, Kawaki, your eye wound is healed. It's like, what What are you talking He's about? Like, uh, and then Ada says, have you found Kawaki's father, the Hokage? <laughs> <laughs> And the scout says, we don't have any leads other than that Boruto did something. And it is revealed, and Kawaki picks up on this instantaneously, despite the, the fact that he is one of the few that has not been affected by this ability, and it's the most insane thing ever, which is that Ada has altered reality with her power so that... Kawaki and Boruto have switched places, and according to everyone's perceptions, except seemingly those who are immune to her abilities, Boruto is Kawaki and Kawaki is Boruto. So Kawaki is actually the Hokage's son, has grown up in the ninja village. Boruto is the outsider uh, who has done this assassination attempt, and now everyone is after him. That is what's going on in everyone's heads, and that's why Mitsuki is pissed off at Boruto. Uh, and cool. Boruto, of course, is cool, 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 cool. So Boruto's completely lost. Mitsuki starts attacking, and Serata grabs him, like, what the hell are you doing? And uh, Mitsuki's like, he's the one who ignored our warnings. He's forfeited his life. Uh, and uh, 
Momoshiki is like mocking Boruto some more, and he says, This is the true nature of Ada's power to charm, a divine power she herself cannot control, brought about by the Shinjutsu omnipotence. An ultimate power only an all-knowing almighty god can wield. The Shinjutsu of Shinjutsu! A programming language that gods were said to have used to create worlds. The will to make anything real. You know, like a programming language that gods use. You get it? Because they're all named after programming terms. It's It's witty. I don't understand this, Moshiki. Can you can you actually make this? In, can you explain this in relation to how it relates to nuclear fission? I'm having trouble comprehending this. Could you design and create an entire video game that would explain all these concepts to me? Like, I suppose I'll have to. Uh, yeah. So he clarifies that, like, this is not something that Ada like fully consciously did so when kawaki jarred her and kind of demanded the he made a wish on the monkey's paw essentially when he demanded that the person who needed to die be someone else be unrelated to the hokage be someone like me he did that to boruto he had them switch places uh and yeah momoshiki says this is kawaki's desire becoming reality uh you have switched places uh, so, you know, she, there's people reacting to all of that. Shikamaru gets in touch with Ada over the comms and says, hey, can you give us more details about what happened when Boruto attacked them? And Ada starts to go, like, I mean, I guess so, but I, all right. Uh, and Kawaki grabs Ada's wrist and says, tell them he's dead. Tell them the Hokage died at Boruto's hands. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> Look, not for nothing. My boy found an opportunity. He seized it. He's fucking take it. <laughs> He's like, no, everybody should kill him, not just me. No, kill him. Uh, we get a bunch of people, like a bunch of Momoshiki, explaining more details. But it, all of this is we we understand this now. It's like, yeah, you're no longer Uzumaki Boruto. You're just Boruto, and that's it. You're an outsider who everyone wants to kill, except. The very few people who know the truth, which is Ada, uh, Kawaki, Sarada, presumably Sumire, because she was also immune to Ada's abilities. Yeah, Sumire, Otto, uh, Sarada, Damon, and... Yeah, so there's... I feel like there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Yeah. So, I won't say that this is a boring chapter because like well that's crazy <laughs> that happened i i again remember when we had like you know just like ada's living with, with that's the thing like, that's that's where i keep going to and i'm just like why did we spend there had to have been an easier way to show us that serata and sumere were immune. Like, I know a lot of exposition happened in it, but like, it's it, just one of these things that I'm like, why did we spend so much time on this stuff if this was the point we were getting to? Because I guess this is like another piece of the puzzle of how we get to that chapter zero moment or chapter one moment where Nar or Boruto and, and Kawaki are fighting. He's like, you'll pay for what you did to the Lord Seven. It's like, oh. Maybe even eventually Boruto hears that, like, oh, the Lord Seventh is dead and starts thinking, like, I don't know. It feels like we're just, we're trying to get to that point. Um, 
but it's it's definitely this is it's not a good twist <laughs> it's just something that uh, i guess is like the thing you do to create drama i don't know i i feel like in the hands of a talented writer this could be a really cool like moment but ada sucks and i'm annoyed <laughs> that she has the ability to just rewrite reality <laughs> There's also the fact that um, uh, it, it's been pointed out. I can't remember who said this in our Discord, but this is easily like the premise of its own series. Uh-huh. Just, you know, you get familiar with a few characters and then everything switches places, you know, with two of them switch places and it changes the dynamic between them. You know, it, you know this person's entire home is turned against them as a result of it. And it's just like, well, this is a very strange twist that did not have set up to it. Like we were introduced to a form of Ada's abilities, but it had nothing to do with like altering people's circumstances. It was just like, people can't attack her because you know, they think she's hot and that's just kind of it. Um, this is wild. Uh, and I, don't know if I'm ever if anything could possibly happen from this point forward that will make me say, "Oh yeah, no, it makes sense that we went in this direction." <laughs> yeah, it seems like we've gone down a path we cannot come back from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk about some big monsters, Nick. Kaiju number eight, chapter eighty-two. Uh, so remember those two people that, that we ended off on, uh, the, the, the platoon leaders that, that, that they were getting their shit kicked in. So Shinonome, uh, the girl with the minigun, uh, who is uh, currently having a, a, a freeze up, uh, she has a flashback to when she first encountered Captain Narumi in the field. And just kind of realized how far he was ahead of her. He was an entity beyond my reach. Uh, and when she starts off, you know, she's just kind of a grunt who wears one of those like gas mask things that a lot of the lower ranking members of the Kaiju extermination unit wear. Uh, and uh, she's uh, clearly uh, different now because, you know, she... She 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 am important character. She gets to have a face while she's in the in uniform. Yes. Uh the scarred leader guy in, in control realizes like this is bad because the pool of officers we have who can actually fight against identified class kaiju is really limited. And if even one of our sites is breached, then everything could come crumbling down. Uh so essentially pushing forward the idea that yes. Even these two, the least important of the platoon leaders that we have been introduced to so far, are important because we're in a big dominoes uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And if one uh, domino but, falls, Nick, what happens to the rest? Uh, you go and get better pizza. So That is true. Oh, man. Yeah. Can you imagine... Nick, what would you rather have? You'd have to eat chocolate once per day, like a full size like Hershey's chocolate bar, or the only pizza you can ever get for the rest of your life is Domino's pizza. Uh, I I would still go for Domino's. Oh, like okay. I, I dislike chocolate that much. Like you can't you can't give me a daily chore like that. <laughs> you just wake up in the morning, you just snap into pieces like oh, oh disgusting, yeah. finish it. Yeah, pretty like, much. No. 
Uh, I'd rather just eat garbage pizza the rest of my life. Because I can like choose not to eat pizza. That is true. Yeah, you could just be like, I'm going to get Stromboli's instead. The monkey paw didn't cover that. Yeah, get calzones. Exactly. Well, a calzone is just a pizza. See, we've been no, 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 quick, 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 no, 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 don't, don't tell the monkey whose paw we've wished upon that. Okay. So, all right. So, Shina Nome just fully like falls to her knees, realizes like that there is no way that I can fight this thing. Its its abilities are just way past my own. It's impossible to fight it. And meanwhile, Tachibana is getting choked to death. So. Uh, they contact gets in on Shinome's line and says, You've got to provide backup. Uh, so she flashes to Narumi, giving her a platoon leader status, uh, and how much it meant to her. So she powers up, uh, and fires her minigun, manages to blast the kaiju who drops Tachibana, uh, and then just, you know, turns on her, comes after her, and honestly, like, it just hits her gun, but it's still one of the most brutal shots that we've seen because the entire thing crumples and blood flies out of her mouth because she's been hit so hard by this thing. And it sends her flying. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she continues to think about Narumi. And uh, oh. she's like, I just I just wanted to get stronger. I just wanted to become a, a captain and make him notice me. All he was ever interested in was strength, so I was always out of his view. Just another officer out of many. And, you know, there's a flashback where, again, she's just, you know, a masked grunt that he just kind of walks past in the hall. And he, she thinks herself, I'm going to make him notice me one day. So she sets out training. She, you know, she trains her endurance, lifts weights, puts on, you know, facial treatment stuff to make herself prettier because, you know, she wants him to respect her strength and definitely just that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, the scene really could be read a completely different way until they show that, yeah, she's, yep. she's taking care of her, her skin care in this, this moment. I was Which going is, to until... Thing. It, you should take care of your skin You care, should. But when you, when you show it there, it really does seem to imply that she's like, notice me, senpai. Is she really... Look... I'm not going to say you can't have a female character that just has a crush on a male character. Like, presumably, Shinonome is probably not going to be that important a character. But I would have liked this a bit more if there were just a smidge of, you know, nebulousness to how she thought of Narumi. Or character. That'd be nice. If there was, like, a little character in this whole little thing. Yeah. And, again, and even if that were the case as you say yeah having her entire character just be notice me is not great um and eventually shinomi does get appointed as platoon leader by narumi uh and she's like oh my god he he, i was so happy he actually addressed me by name for the first time he recognized my skills and she's like i'm part of that man's operation i've been put in charge of the front line and it's been an honor and she grabs up somebody's dropped machine gun and thinks herself like look i can't beat this thing but he does he can narumi could beat him so the only thing i can do is just hold off long enough for him to show up and beat it and uh she uses like the frozen uh she uses one of the ice grenade things to give herself an advantage she fires uh, at the kaiju 
And she's like, I know this isn't going to kill you. If you want, you can kill me. But she's like, I've got to just take every second I can. I've got to garner as much intel on this thing that I can uh, so that Nurmi has some sort of way to beat it. And just as she's thinking that, the kaiju has appeared behind her because it's so fast. And it literally smashes her through the the overpass that they're in because it punches her so hard. Uh, And she thinks to herself, like, shit, like, I can't let this thought take hold of me. But she can't help it. She thinks, like, look, I've got all these duties, but all I can think about is that I don't want to die. And uh, it's... uh, pretty harrowing because you know she's crying while bleeding excessively from her nose and mouth yeah. so it's like oh this is not very comfortable uh and she thinks like look i just wanted to i just wanted to get stronger and prettier and chase after that man uh and the kaiju punches her in order to finish her off but who should have arrived on the scene at the very last second it's kafka uh, he couldn't sit idly by uh, just because he was told to, to stay on the sidelines. And he's like, look, you know, my, I know you assign me to rear guard duties, but I'm disobeying that order. And he looks super serious and he's got veins pulsing around his head as he's getting ready to transform. So, um, yeah. So, like, look, uh, I don't want to harp too much on, like, the she made herself look pretty. She wanted this guy to notice her thing because, like, it's annoying. It's obnoxious. But, like. In the grand scheme of things, like, I don't want to make it out to be that big of a deal. Um, I think more so, you know, um, the way Kaiju number eight has tended to work is that it, it, it doesn't do too many, like, shocking things. It really just executes well on the concepts that we've seen kind of done time and time again. Like, you know, it'll do its big hero moment, but it'll make you excited for the big hero moment and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's generally pretty good at just, like doing the the beats but doing them well mm-hmm. uh this was a case where it just did not work i i legitimately like, just followed the chapter uh was not interested in whatever her name is shinomiya shinonome shinonome i just wasn't really vibing with her uh and i thought you know like maybe you could do something here where it's like look she can't take down this kaiju but, like, make a chapter out of her, like, really looking like she's, like, trying to figure out everything. Like, she's really in, like, coming up with solutions, trying to stall this thing, doing everything in her power. It just doesn't come across in this chapter because we're being introduced to, like, her backstory and, like, kind of her personality. Like, I know we've seen her, like, two or three times before this, but, like... Or at least that's what's been told to me on the Discord. But, like, this is us kind of getting nowhere. And she doesn't, like, you know, she comes up with the grenade and stuff like that. And it's just, like, I would wanted an entire chapter of feeling like this is a human who doesn't have a numbers weapon trying to do everything in their power to take down this yeah. kaiju just for a couple more seconds until someone stronger could come along or something like that. And instead you see her get beat up and then Kafka comes yeah. and saves the day. And it's just not satisfying. Like, it's it doesn't. It doesn't have any weight to it for me. Um, I was much more interested in the idea of Kafka having to sit in the back lines because they're like, look, they're waiting for you to come out, motherfucker. Like, we need you to not mm-hmm. come out. That's our plan. Um, instead, it's just like, you got to save the girl because she's in trouble. And it's just, yeah. I don't know, just not well told in my mind. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm with you. I feel like if you would give... 
instead of literally telling us anything about Shinomi's backstory, if instead of spending those pages on like, well, she's got a crush on Narumi and her entire thing is wanting him to, you know, look upon her, you know, with praise and stuff is you dedicate that to more of her efforts to fight the thing. Maybe you could give her a moment where she does something that seems really cool and innovative. You know, she does some sort of neat trap that sets off, sets a bomb off right in the thing's face. And you have just that moment where you think like, Oh my God, maybe she's going to pull this off. And then it doesn't, you know, it starts kicking her ass. And then she goes like, look, I, I knew from the start that this thing was going to be me, but I just was trying to push it as far as I could. And, and that, and that's it, you know, then you could have that little glimpse of her personality, uh and that would be fine but it feels like what she does in this chapter anyone could do she you know she fires her main weapon she picks up a gun when that breaks she throws a grenade and that's just kind of it Uh, it feels like we didn't get a grasp on anything that is special about her which i guess if there isn't anything special about her combat ability wise then fine but, you know, it's it's telling us that, like, she's worked really hard to be here. And you, the reader, don't see that in the moment that she has to do this. And that's unfortunate. Uh, Kafka's here and he's going to get to do something. So hopefully that'll be cool. Mm. Uh, but it could have the setup for it could have been better. Yeah. Well, Nick. Thankfully, we have a hilarious chapter of Spy Family to pick up this mood on this podcast. We've been a little bit of a bummer, but uh, Spy Family always, always makes us hold our sides together to keep them from splitting. Oh my god! Or is this this one of those really emotional chapters of Spy Family that just tug on your heartstrings and you're like, "Wow, this series could do drama and comedy. It's a double threat. You never know what it's going to do to your emotions." You know what's funny, Quinn? When people who have been married a really long time don't like each other. Oh, that that's a chestnut, Nick. Now, I that's I was watching a, a stand-up comedy special uh, done between the years of 1970 to <laughs> 2015. <Now>. <laughs> <laughs> and they also seem to indicate that, like, being married to people just sucks. Like, oh, oh wives. Why have them? Sometimes girlfriends, too. Oh, frustrating. <sighs> All right. So we uh, are reintroduced to Thomas Austin, a tutor in residence. I I need to interrupt real quick because you said Austin. It's reminding me. Austin. Austin. Austin Austin 360. No, this is to the Austin that we both know. Uh, He has uh, umbrage with us. Uh, cause we kind of done this time. Well, we implied mostly me. I implied that he's horny (laughs) for the falling devil and he's horny for all these other characters. And he wants to stress. He's not horny for them. He's looking respectfully, except for, uh, vice Admiral doll. He seemed to be kind of open to the idea that there's maybe something there. And I just want to note that like, yes, Austin isn't actively horny for all these characters publicly but behind closed doors <laughs> i know he's just a little pervert a little gremlin just waiting to <laughs> slobber all over these feet and get stepped on he says he doesn't but you know the, the irony of referring to austin who is a large man as a tiny <laughs> gremlin <laughs> just a tiny little gremlin just like step on me sir, man. 
<laughs> I want to taste your feet. Then he scampers into his mouse hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Austin-shaped mouse hole that has a door on it. <laughs> Even more cartoonish than I was implying, but okay, I'll go with Oh, it. yeah. It's straight-up cat-dog shape. <laughs> Just see, he goes into the his little door. <laughs> and he comes and he's like, hey, what's going on there, guys? Any, any beautiful ladies here for me to get stepped on by? Oh, I, I hate that cartoon. Okay, so <laughs> moving on. Um, so we established in the last chapter based on an exchange between Thomas Austin and, uh, Mr. Henderson that, uh, he's, uh, he's been troubled recently having, having nightmares and Henderson said like, Oh, I, I can introduce you to a, a, an excellent psychiatrist if you like. And we're actually doing that. And for the first two pages of this chapter, I was like, Oh, this will be neat. Yeah. We're, we're, we're following up on something that was just kind of like, you know, thrown in there as a comment from Henderson is like, oh, we'll get to see Lloyd actually do his cover job as a psychiatrist and see how he does that. Because he's, you know, occasionally talked about what he does when he's, you know, around other people. But in this case, like, oh, how, we are going to see it firsthand. What's he going to do? So uh, he meets with Mr. Austin uh, and who explains this whole situation saying, it's like, oh, you know, I was, I was involved in the kidnapping and, and I've been having trouble sleeping, but you know, my own daughter was also involved in the hijacking. So I'm, I've kind of been closed about this, uh, uh, or rather Lloyd says like, oh, my, my daughter was involved in the hijacking. So I, I understand your situation, but it's okay. We're going to work together. We're going to work through this. Uh, and you know, Lloyd thinks to himself like, Hey, this guy has been in uh, a member of the faculty for a really long time. He's part of the residence, so he's close to some of the students. This guy could be a valuable contact if I do this well. So stressing the importance of doing a good job on this. So mm-hmm. we've got a little bit of stakes on this too. All good so far. All good. So uh, Lloyd asks him, like, do you remember what happens in your dreams? And he says, no, I don't remember. I just know that they're painful. Uh yeah. And he, he gives him some of the symptoms and he says, okay, so these symptoms started right after the incident. And Mr. Austin says, I think so. And uh, Lloyd, you know, basically uses his lie detector vision uh, to go, I don't know. Um, he's, uh, there's some inconsistencies in what he's saying here. Uh, so Mr. Austin shares that, you know, he's really insecure about this. So he's like, okay, let, you know, let's talk, talk about this some more. They just kind of have a conversation. And then he sends him, on his way afterwards, like here, have some here's some light medication. We'll see how I respond to it. Come back in a week, uh, and then Fiona comes in, uh, as you know, she also is undercover at this position, and she also is like, yeah, he's lying, isn't he? So uh, he says, well, he might be trying to lie to himself. So uh, can you look into it? You know, get, get, gather some information on this. And as he's leaving, Fiona's just like, we talked for 28 seconds today. Just, you know, just a little th- little thing right there is like, she is still obsessed with him. Okay, moving on. Uh, so Mr. Austin meets with Lloyd again. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't feel like I got any better. And last night I was tossing and turning so much that my wife yelled at me. And so Lloyd's like, aha, an opening. <laughs> uh, so he starts talking about, you know, his marriage. He's like, uh, how long have you been married? He's like, oh, 20 years. He says, okay, what have you guys been talking about lately? Uh, well, she just, you know, tells me to to be quiet. That's, yeah, that, 
that's not really what I mean by like talking about stuff like, you know, and uh, have you talked to her about how you're, you know, here trying to get help for what's going on with you? And she says, no, I, I can't do that. I'm 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 too scared because if she ever saw me as being even more worthless, I can't imagine what she'd say. So this is a very stable and good marriage. Ah, uh, this is great. This is <laughs> the most obvious warning sign ever. So uh, Lloyd says, look, Mr. Austin, I've been talking to a few people close to you recently, and it sounds like you've been experiencing these symptoms since before the bus incident. And uh, he's fully like in denial over this, but there, he immediately has like a wave of flashbacks of, you know, having his hands shake and spacing out and losing focus, getting sleep deprived. And uh, Lloyd says, there's a stressor that you're exposed to on a daily basis, isn't there? Something that scares you even more than the hijacking. Yes, this man's wife terrifies him so much that a near death incident where he was held captive during a terrorist. <sighs> that scares him more. So, okay. What does his wife do? Oh, she talks bad about him all the time. So good. They love each other so much. Oh, boy. And he literally stands up screaming, clutching his head as he has the realization that his, he's terrified of his wife and the way that she talks to him. So he says, well, what am I supposed to do? And I says, well, you need to confront your fear. You got to talk to her about it. And it's like, no, whenever I try and talk to her, she just responds with a long sigh. Ooh. Uh, so he, he says a lot of Lloyd says a lot of stuff about how, you know, it's hard to maintain relationships um he says but you know you can pay close attention to your partner you can gain clues from your partner's feelings by things like the tone of their voice right not to mention their heart rate and how often they blink at the sound of their footsteps so yeah that's the what's the mask clip a little there that's the one joke that i had to make note of in this entire stretch of the chapter uh and uh, he says, like, yeah, we'll we'll get through this and let's let's try doing some, you know, like meditation exercises to help confront your fears. And he he basically has a vision of his wife attacking him and torturing him. And then Lloyd finishes the chapter by going, wow, authentic marriages sure seem difficult. That's what this is when Porky Pig comes in. It's like, that's all, folks. <laughs> like, the gag's done. This was, I think, the least funny chapter of Spy Family ever. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. I like Lloyd as a character. I do. I think Lloyd is cool. I like when Lloyd is involved in chapters when they're uh, when he's placed in these situations. He is a cool character that like adds a lot to the story. But goddamn, when they put a solo chapter of him out for some reason, it's just death, just death, <laughs> like completely. Um, I blocked this chapter out of my memory immediately after I read it the first time because we started this podcast and you were like, yeah, we got a couple weeklies. I was like, don't we just have Boruto? And you were like, no, it's Kaiju number eight and Spy Family. And I was like, fuck, I forgot it. Like, I was like, what the hell happened in Spy Family until I clicked? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, look, I don't want this to be like, oh, man, what a hellish chapter to have to adore. It's not that bad. But no, this is like a nothing burger of a chapter. Like, not informative, not funny, 
not cute. Does seemingly nothing to progress the story. We were told that if Lloyd pulls this off, then he'll have another like in at the academy. I kind of refuse to believe that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I feel like this is nothing is going to come of this ever. Yeah. So, I hope we get to meet Thomas Austin again a hundred times, you know? Yeah, he'll show up in a leather jacket. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just a style of humor that's not very good, unfortunately. Um, nothing. Let's talk about a chapter that's decent. Like, there's there's good okay. chapters. Yes, yeah, we, we made it through the really bad stretch for this week, I promise. We, we have. We've been through Boruto, and we've been through Spy Family, so let's talk about Akane Banashe. Story 54, Zenza Renseikai. Uh, Akane uh, basically meets up with uh, her fellow apprentices, uh, presents the uh, event uh, flyer thing that she was given, and uh, so Koguma says, what's this? I didn't know about this. And Akane says, I mean, I thought that they told you about it and they they recruited you. He says, I mean, I was invited, but I didn't know that this was like going to be such a big deal. Uh, and then Oh gosh, it's it's not Ginka, is it? It's something like that, though. Oh, so youngest, 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 youngest Aniki comes in, uh, and uh, he says, like, yeah. So Iken is basically using the Rensekai as an audition, uh, and so Akai is like, well, what kind of event is it anyway? And Kyoji says, it's you can think of it as the Arakawa's unique method of assessing the skill of a Zenza. And Kai's like, well, why would they need to do that? And Kyoji says, well, most normal people don't actually judge Rakugoka by their rank. They judge them by who the apprentice there are. And the masters in our school have a really high public profile by Rakugo standards. Just being their apprentices gets us attention. And that causes some Rakugoka to get complacent and lazy. It's kind of a test to keep everyone on their toes. You can't take it lightly because it'll be a major foothold in getting a promotion to Futatsume. And in order to be promoted, there's a list of requirements you have to meet. You've got to earn a recommendation from one of the Arakawa Arch 4 who is not your own mentor. And Ken, of course, is one of those four. Uh, and Shigama can't be the one to give a recommendation because Akane is his apprentice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Akane's like, yeah, like, okay, I get it. It's a chance to, for me to show off my skills to him. Uh, and uh, Kyoji warns that this year's Zenza Rensei Kai is certain to be a fiercer battle than we've ever seen before. And Koguma's like, yeah, so win. Uh, <laughs> very helpful. Um, but he points out that like the others in the four-person event are the apprentice from Master Zensho's place, the layer of weirdos, and Kaisei, and he says, yeah, I just can't. I, I, I don't fit in with them. You've got to win so that I'll have someone I can talk to. <laughs> that is the most relatable character. He's like, please win so I don't have to be alone with these strange people. I just, I'm like, yes, you. I am you. I need, please, please win so I don't have to talk to people. Uh, so yeah, kind of very bold. because like, yeah, I'm going to win and I'm going to beat Kaisei too. Uh, so they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, set your sights high, cool. Um, 
Koguma kind of breaks things down, basically gives us a tier list of the Futatsume that currently exist. So he's like, so there's the people who are almost ready to be Shinuji already. They're the top. And among those are Rokuro and the eldest of the apprentices. Hunky hunk guy. Yeah. Then there are the rising stars, which he is among and also uh, Urara's apprentice. So she's up there, too. Yeah. Uh, Kyoji is also in that tier. And then there are the newly promoted uh, Futatsume, which include that one dickhead that Akane got into a spat with and also the last of the apprentices. So makes sense. Uh, but Kaisei is not listed among all of them because, as Koguma puts it, like he's exceptional. He doesn't really get categorized with any of these people. Uh, but uh, Akane stops like, hold on a second. You're saying that Mikeru is in this top tier? Seriously? <laughs> it was like a great moment because I also had that same thing. I was like, interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Kokomo points out, I was like, yeah, the reason he's not around a whole lot is because he's so busy with work. He gets all these gigs. He's six, and he's successful because he's really good. He's the best of everyone in the Arakawa school and that, and and in fact, he might be the best of any of the Futatsume out there right now. And then he just, my character just kind of comes in and is like, hey, what's up, guys? Oh, you haven't, oh, you're having some? I'll have some. Woo! <laughs> uh, Akane offers to cook some, and immediately they're like, no, you don't know how to cook, so we're not going to do that. Um, Karika, I think is his name. Because uh, he gets nicknamed here. Uh, so Gurika goes into the kitchen and he starts, you know, making some noodles. But he looks very concerned. And Kyoji sneaks up on him while he's, while he's preparing. He's like, hey, uh, so what, what you thinking about? And he kind of freaks out. And, and he's like, look, you've been putting way too much on your schedule uh, in order to get more public performances under your belt. And look, I'm not here to scold you for that. I'm just saying you can lean on us for help. That's what your fellow apprentices are here for uh-huh. and uh Kokuma listens in on this so we had something we don't we have really not seen really any of yet which is like oh how do these guys like act when Akane is not around them how do they interact with each other so seeing a little bit more of uh what uh what they're like uh Kokuma also overheard that and he's like hmm, I guess that that's not my pep talk to give so hmm uh, Mike Aru starts talking with Akane while they're eating, uh, and he s- says, "Like, hey, so which of your stories is your favorite?" And Akane's like, "Oh, all of them." And he's like, "All right, all right, all right. Pick one. It can be any. It can be a story you're good at. It can be one that isn't your type. If you had to pick one story, which would it be?" And Akane puzzles over and she's like, "Yeah, I can't pick one. I feel comfortable with all of them. They're all important to me." And Mikeru starts to get this weird look in his eyes. And he says, all right, what's the schedule for this year's Rensei Kai? And uh, we established like the Rensei Kai is at the end of July. Then the four-person uh, selection event is the end of August. And then afterwards, it's the four-person event. So he's like, all right, that's a pretty big gap between those there. So how about this? If you win your way into the selection event then I'll give you lessons. He's like, really? Yeah. 
you're 18 now. There's no rules against you falling in love with me now. And I was like, but he was serious when he said that before. <laughs> like, that's her only reaction. Like, she's not freaked out. He's like, well, he was being serious. <laughs> what the hell? This guy's weird. I like that he just has the fucking, uh, uh, what was the name of the dude from Zatch Bell, the uh, Don Fogore fucking look, where it's just like the eyes with no pupils in it. Uh, but he kind of says, like, hey, if you lose, then I'm not going to give you a chance to take lessons from me for a while. So, you know, he's just like kind of raising the stakes for her. You know, I was like, look, this is, this is, you know, a chance for you to grow. So win and I'll help you out. We cut to the monthly Rockago offices with our favorite journalism team, including a character that hasn't been around in like half a year. Uh, and uh, the so they're. The girl, yeah, just hasn't been around for a while. Uh, they talk a bit about the, you know, competition coming up. Uh, and uh, they say, like, oh, yeah, you know, Akai is probably the favorite. But the Arakawa school Zenza are in an embarrassment of riches, which is interesting phrasing. Uh, and uh, also, hey, you know, Ikan was a judge at the preview at that Karaku Cup. He must be hiding something up his sleeve. This year's Rensei Kai feels ominous to me. Which, I mean, I guess he did just meet with him to talk about stuff, so I understand why he feels that way. Yeah. Uh, and we're just immediately cutting forward. It's like, okay, yeah, it's time for that competition. We're just going to get to it. It me. makes sense. Uh, I think the series kind of... We didn't have, like, the immediate go-to, because uh, my vibe, just based off the pacing, is like, this is where Arcana is going to get shocked by something, because this isn't, like exactly the four-person selection event which is where like we kind of want akani to win so she's in that four-person event mm -hmm. um so like it feels like she could take a little bit of an l here and maybe this is where they come in to be like hey remember that drama girl she's actually really good now you know like this yeah. is this is this is that match where you know you, you use the uh, it, it's not for the title so you let the like the lower card person like kind of look like they're really hot shit so that when they do the match for the title it means more even though you're just like oh, all right kind of fighting up the card on this one but right i kind of can lose a match if it's not for the everything yeah so yeah because i think yeah. it, it is significant that he asks her like if you had to pick a type of story what one would you pick or you know, a particular story. And she's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to pick any of them. That does seem to really catch his attention. So yeah. I wonder if that might play into it here. That's like, Hey, look, an event where you need to showcase yourself, you need something in your pocket, a speciality, yeah. something, you know? So, yeah, it speaks to, I think, I think to him, it speaks to her naivete still, that she's like, I don't want to give any of them up. And it's like, like, you got to, you got to actually like really properly assess your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So. All right. Let's talk about the blue box. Oh, young love, Nick. It's Christmas. It is in March chapter 93 to strip away. And now it's cover page is everyone and, and Santa outfits decorating a tree together. All Ooh. my favorite characters are there. Yeah. Uh, Jinatsu, Hina and Taiki, uh, Ayame, Ayame. Uh, uh, what's uh, what's the new girl's name? You something? Yumika. Yumika, basketball douchebag. 
He's there, yes. Kyo, Kyo, Kyo. Right there, center of the page. Yep. Right there, Kyo. Uh, right by everyone. Hyodo, is that? Yes. Okay. Bald guy, not Tanaka. Shmanaka. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Yumika's boyfriend, who I only know because every time I see him, I'm like, did the protagonist from Persona 5 jump into this? <laughs> like, why are they here? Uh, and then I don't know, there's two other girls who I assume yeah, are friends sorry. of characters. Uh, how are you, by the way? Not Hyodo, sorry. How are you? Sorry. Hyodo is his rival. Yes. Uh, who is not there, actually. No. So. He doesn't uh, celebrate Christmas. He's a zombie. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I don't make the rules, Nick, but if you're a zombie, why would you celebrate Christmas? You didn't get to come back from the dead. Well, I guess you did. You know, they celebrate Easter. Easter is their Christmas. They're like, it's like we're all coming back from the dead. Yeah, see? This is actually great world building for the world of Blue Box. (laughs) Chapter 93, to strip away. I want people, when they start writing their fanfic, I'm going to set up like a role-playing forum for Blue Box. I just want to create lore that's available. Like, if you're playing a zombie, know that your character dies. (laughs) When your character obviously dies in the world of Blue Box, know that you would celebrate (laughs) Easter. it It would be your character's favorite holiday then. Oh, uh, it's uh, just two days before Christmas. Uh, and as Ayame realizes that, she's like, How? Where did the time go? What happened? Uh, and she's hanging out with Kyo as she's been doing a lot recently, presumably because Kyo is, I guess, the laziest person at badminton practice. Uh, so you, she says that and she's like, I haven't been on, I haven't been single on Christmas since fifth grade. This is awful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's, 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 yeah, that's a very consistent dating life from the time that you're 10. So, yeah. Uh, and so she's like, oh, come on. Stop. Why are you acting like this is no big deal? You're single too, Kyo. And he's like, I spend Christmas with my family every year. I've got three siblings. And so we do a lot of, you know, stuff cooking and preparing together. And her only reaction is there are four of you. So, yeah, I guess Kyo has like three siblings that are also all Kyo. But uh, Kyo expresses human emotions for once because he, he smiles and goes, last year we even got two kinds of cake. It's like, you know what? That's kind of a thing that I can kind of relate to. It's like, yay, different kind of sweets for Christmas. I like it. So, yeah. Uh, Ayame uh, is still talking with him. Kyo brings up, like, why don't you spend, you know, Christmas with your family? And she says, well, my sister always has her own plans. And she kind of looks over her shoulder at Haru. Makes sense. Uh, Then uh, Hina comes up with Kina's friend uh, <laughs> and says, hey, so we're going to go with ka- to karaoke with everyone after practice tomorrow. And I was like, yay, <laughs> I won't be alone. <laughs> um, but and then Hina looks over his, at, at Taiki, who is with Captain Nishida, who is like, I don't care if it's Christmas Eve. We're all going to practice together because I hate being alone. <laughs> Uh, so continuing his whole trend of like, I'm single. So all of you have to, have to suffer with me. Um, Hina does kind of actually pretty casually invite Taiki as well. Just saying, Hey, you coming too? Cause we're not going to karaoke and, uh, Taiki pauses and then he's like, I'm sorry. I promised Nishida I'd do extra practice with him. Uh, so Hina paused for a moment and then she kind of, kind of forces a smile and she's like, yeah, okay, cool. 
Uh, but then she gets together with the girls and are like, yeah, let's go. Let's go party together. Let's have a good time. So, hey, that'll be nice. Yeah. Uh, they are getting the girls basketball team is getting set for their big basketball competition. Uh, and uh, they have a big go oh, hoorah session. Uh, and uh, the Batman club is like, oh, yeah, they're meet us tomorrow. So they all kind of go by and wish everyone luck. Everyone, you know, lines up and s- slaps hands. And, Aww. you know, Chinatu slaps hands with Taiki. And it's like, oh, isn't that nice? It was a cute little moment. Yumeka is on a date with her boyfriend uh-huh. uh, at some restaurant. And Joker. he says... It's the okay. protagonist from Persona 5. So Persona 5 It's a great Persona 5 joke. Just go along with it. I, I'll believe you, Quinn. I'll believe yep. you. So uh, that's the one that... Is that the one where there's like weird text blurbs that happen occasionally? Is that the franchise where that happens? Yes. Yeah. There's okay. a, lot of, a lot of stylistic stuff, you know. Half okay. Damien okay. Sam, half eventually you got to kill God. Okay. So the Christmas things swirling around him are actually that. Got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is There's some music playing right now. Some, I don't know, Persona jazz, you know. It's just got some yeah. style to it, you know. And Christmas fa- Persona jazz. <laughs> I'm sure if I type that in, I'm sure. I'm going to look right now. Go ahead, I'm go going ahead. to go to YouTube and I'm just going to type in Christmas Persona Lo-Fi and I guarantee <laughs> okay. I get something uh, Persona Lo-Fi. We're going to get something right here. Okay. Oh, I didn't. <gasps> but I did get best Lo-Fi Christmas mix ever, which maybe does have it. I'm, I'm shocked. I really okay. expected. I expected them to just have the normal ass persona soundtrack with jingle bells in the background. <laughs> uh, Yumika is distracted while on her date with uh, Joker from Persona 5. And uh, uh, he's like, oh, you want to get together for a Christmas date tomorrow? You know, we could get presents for each other. We could go to a cafe and stuff. And she's, you know, like, uh, listen. And he's like, I was hoping you could wear thigh highs for me. And she immediately is, you know, grabs his cheek and like his face turns to putty with the force of her tug on his cheek. Uh, and he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so she's like, I, I, I gotta go to the bathroom. So she gets up. While she's away, he sees the ticket that uh, Taiki gave to her. And so when she gets back, he's like, there's a you got a ticket to a high school basketball game tomorrow. You you gotta go. I mean that that girl that we ran into before, she's gonna be there, right? Like, don't worry about our date. We'll, we'll go do a date afterwards. You know, you, what? And, and he, she's obviously being weird and stuff. And she sits down and he says, "Hey, when you were in elementary school, what did you say that your dream was?" And well, when you was a kid, she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a star basketball." player of course because she was really into it at that time mm. and he says straight out to her is like i wanted to be a soccer player uh and she's she says so oh, that girls would love him by the way he had that yeah, little yeah. note it was it's all for the ladies and all for the ladies that's what 10 year olds think of so uh i mean you know, if you're you know, 10 yeah you are just like all the girls will think i'm so cool that's that's how women think 10 year old me even understands yeah uh-huh. Uh, and he says, like, yeah, I wanted to be a soccer player. And I mean, I didn't really give up on the dream, but it did fade away from me. But I feel like you played basketball because you had a clear goal in mind. 
And that's why you seem confused on how to approach it now. It's like at times like that, you have to strip away all the extra stuff because as we live our lives, fun things and hard things and painful things all stick to us. But when you strip those away one by one, you get to the core. And Yumika, you love basketball, don't you? So maybe your obsession isn't as bad as you think. And Yumika thinks about, you know, uh, being, you know, a kid and getting loving basketball and stuff. But from uh, Joker from Persona 5's perspective, <laughs> he just sees all the times that they've been together and her eyes have just been drawn to basketball in a lot of different ways. When, you know, she would like play in the street with a kid, when she would, you know, take the practice shots when they were just in like gym class, when she would pass by a gym and everyone was practicing and she would look at them and stuff. So he just, you know, has picked up that about her because it's so very, very obvious that it's still very dear to her. Yes. Uh, and uh, as he finishes that point, uh, she, she kind of like hides her face and messes with her bangs. And she says, yeah, whenever you don't want me to know what you're thinking, you always mess with your bangs. And she's like, wait, what? Yeah, you didn't know. So he pays attention to her. He yeah. seems like a pretty he seems like a pretty good boyfriend. So yeah, this conversation ends and the two little jailer characters show up and they're like, Thou art I, I art thou, with the birth of I don't know, whatever tarot card is left persona, et cetera, et cetera. It finishes wrapping up the persona joke very neatly. And that's what's important. Yep. I could just make things up. Nick would have no idea. Uh, uh, Pikachu shows up, and you. Uh, I mean, I have heard him. there's a game with Pikachu and Joker from Persona Five in it. There I know it? That that's actually. Oh true. my god! You can actually knife fight Pikachu with Joker from Persona Five. <laughs> Holy shit! Yo, Smash Brothers is a gift. <laughs> uh, so you make a goes to the Winter Cup that Shinatsu is participating in. And they're, I guess these are her thoughts that are in narration, which say there's only pain and some people can handle pain without batting an eye. It's okay if you quit. You don't have to push yourself so hard. But, and she gets to the stadium, she sees all the people practicing on the courts, the lights, all the people making noise as they practice and stuff. And she thinks, don't forget how your heart raced. Have confidence in your love. That is what will make you the most powerful. And her eyes fall in Shinatsu. What well, song do you think is playing? Because everyone's getting ready. Is it like Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We've got a real jam going down. Welcome oh, to the Space Jam. <laughs> if they're playing the Space Jam soundtrack while this is happening, oh, that'd be a pretty dope scene. Uh, I'm also trying to think what other songs could they be playing that would make it really... I mean, there's a lot of songs you'd be playing that would be like really inappropriate. Kiss from Rose. do 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 in my mind for a moment i was like 
they're playing the Entertainment Tonight theme song because it sounds a lot like the NBA on TNT theme song, but I never remember which one is which. So if I did it, I would just be doing the TNT song, most likely. Just just fully this Japanese basketball uh, open cup thing is being uh, is being premiered on like nbc so round ball rock is playing oh my god that'd be so wild they're like in lieu of i guess anything else uh we'll be broadcasting some high school women's basketball from japan from japan (laughs) so is this going on japanese tv no just (laughs) one would wonder have we run out of any native sports to show here like anything from this country or hemisphere uh, I guess the answer is yes. Yeah. Here's John Tesh. Yeah. Okay. So that is the chapter of Blue Box. It's definitely like a, oh my God, it's going to happen kind of chapter. So the big moment isn't happening in this, but the big moment is coming. So um, it seems like we are going to fairly soon wrap up this, like you make a, mini arc thing that's going on and uh potentially change up the status quo a bit we'll see all right we got we got a lot of chapters still to discuss we do we've got like six more to do so uh cypher academy chapter 16 decoding the king and the rook at the same time because because chess chess that's actually illegal to do in most places so (laughs) be careful about that uh, we start the chapter by very briefly checking in on Group C, where, uh, again, everyone is cosplaying, including uh, Taiyu uh, cosplaying as Toshisai, so she's got her jacket over another jacket. <laughs> um, and uh, then we eventually, after kind of flashing through the other groups, come back to Iroha's group. Uh, in the photography club room, and he's pacing around the scene of the crime, thinking to himself, like, okay. The killer is Shokuho Yorokawa, currently being played by Otama Jakushi. Mamushi Hishikawa. Ah, so such a long name. It's got to be some kind of a jogi reference of some kind. So he analyzes, like, if this is were just like a straight-up detective story, then I would have solved it. But this is a murder mystery game, and the killer's identity doesn't get revealed by a detective. It gets revealed by a majority vote. So probably right now, She's in there trying to convince everyone that I, as the spy, am the killer. So I need to get back there and take part in the discussion. But role-wise, Oberosan isn't the type to vindicate herself. And I don't know when it was established that like this role-playing aspect of the game is so important. It feels like they all just decide to do this because they're kids who love to have fun. I was so- going to say, they're just silly little kids. They want to be a little silly, you know? And kind of but mean. Looked- this is a little bit of a roast in a certain way for some characters. <laughs> Obero's uh, skills, he's got, you know, he, he looks like, okay, so I've got these, like, I've got these different abilities. How can I use them to actually get a victory here? And then he thinks about it as like, oh, right, I've still got that five-star puzzle. I could write it down before I forget it. So he writes it out for himself. And he's like, the alphabet here that it was written in was connected by dots and lines like Morse code. So again, we're getting this whole like uh, 
it's there's lines in it therefore there must be lines in the puzzle way to solve the puzzle thing so then he realizes well i've got this blank puzzle and i'm in a photography development room what if you invert this the way that you invert the color of a negative so if you translate the message to dots and dashes in morse code and then for every dot you make a dash and every dash you make a dot then it instead spells out one more spy and i never in a million years would have solved this 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 clue but at least in this case i understand the logic that iroha approaches it with it's it's like okay in the context of everything this makes sense why this is done this way i'll take it at least uh so then he thinks about the reaction that he got when he shared the five-star puzzle with the bandage girl. Uh, and it's like, so was she confused because she was shocked that there was another spy? No, she probably couldn't solve it. <laughs> so analyze that pretty quickly. Uh, the other two that they're doing the case with uh, come in and say, hey, we'd like to have like some private meetings with you too so we can keep gathering some intel. But Iroha hesitates for a second and says, hey, you can learn more about me in secret or I can tell you the secret of this locked room mystery. Which do you prefer? So all five of them meet up in the main room that they're doing stuff. And uh, he speaks in the role of Oprah while going through stuff. And he has actually written out the quotes that were focused on when he was going to his mind palace in the previous chapter. And he says, look, there was a lot of information flying around when we were talking together before, but the ones that probably would have stood out to Obero are these eight quotes. And so one of them realized, like, okay, so you're talking about not secondary information, hearsay, and guesses. You've only picked out eyewitness testimonies that you thought could have been gained from decoding one of the dying messages. And yeah, he says, yes. So I've analyzed from that that these things are these to go to the clues. So you match up like here are the other eight things that I uh, come from like. So here's the eight things. Then there's the message that nobody could solve because it was the five star. And then there's the zero star one, which was just the blank image. So I figured that these are all them. And if you look at it this way, only one person could be the killer, which is because they were not mentioned in any of the dying messages. So in the role of the killer, the headphones wherein girl says, oh, why are you say that should be that I'm not the killer. And Iroha says, no, because dying messages can be fabricated. And in the role of this mystery, you were the first to find the body. So these were planted instead to throw suspicion off of her is the story that is going on in the mystery. So all the data that was gathered is deliberately fake. Iroha then uses a skill that does nothing because... (laughs) So I don't know why this is established. Yeah, they're like, I have a special skill that makes you answer a question that might be difficult, and the other person's like, counterspell. You're like, damn, (laughs) drat. But uh, Iroha essentially analyzed, like, okay, if you're the killer, then you're going to be forced to run away from the question, essentially. So, and if even if people notice the lie, the moment you use the skill, and even if you refrain from denying the accusation, 
now we've now we've reached the climax so even though they use that he still basically is like able to tell like okay because we're using conditions to actually force truthful answers and you're forced to use the ability to stop it i know that you don't want to give me information so therefore it basically just confirms my resolution here and he's basically he concludes like because i know that there's one more spy from this clue that code could prove that the deceased person was also a spy. And uh, we get this very text-heavy explanation of why everyone votes the way that they do on the next page, which is that there are certain victory conditions and defeat conditions that people have, and everyone's like, there's no way I can actually win, so I just have to avoid my defeat condition. So that's what I'll do. The vote goes out. Everyone points at each other and Iroha is declared the winner. There's a very, very long Kagoe and thing that I literally deliberately not read uh, because it's, yeah. uh, it's on Who has the time for it? and I was like, no, I'm not going to read it. I get the gist without this. I don't care. <laughs> so if you really care about the explanation, it is there, but I'm not going to read it. Yeah, well, it's like little explanations to be like, how, you know, if you were going to play this game in real life, can you imagine, Nick? Like, you're just like, I'm going to get six of my friends together and hand them all the little fucking boards that have like special powers related to the stuff we do. And then I'm just going to give you puzzles to solve. And then eventually you have to reveal your hypothesis together. Oh, that's it's like, that's where I just bring in Benoit Blanc and he's like, well, the solution is obvious when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, solved. yes, a lot of things can be solved, Dick, if you just bring in Benoit Blanc. Like, oh, where's my phone? I guess I'll bring in Benoit Blanc. He's like, I have to think on your watch, good madame, you can hit a button and your phone will make noises. It'll so, it makes me, so it makes me consider how could you ever lose your phone unless <laughs> you're the Limburg baby like oh damn it I shouldn't have brought in Benoit Blanc I knew he was going to reveal shit about me and then he just says Elon Musk is an idiot for five minutes straight and it's great oh, so uh... <laughs> he's just not even connected to the puzzle anymore he's like let me that motherfucker is blocking <laughs> tweets on Twitter from different countries like what the fuck <laughs> Uh, so Iroha, uh, heads off to announce his victory in the classroom and he, in the hallway, meets up with Toshisai, who of course won hers. Like yeah. there's no surprise there. The, uh, the winner of the other group is Yosai Mura, who is Ski Mask Girl, which I don't think we've really gotten to know her at all prior to this point in this, in, in the series. I know she's shown up a couple of times, but that I don't remember any details about her of relevance. Um, so, uh, but you know, that was the group that uh, um, Kasuri was in. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I guess that this would not really play to her strengths. And she wasn't even intending to win that round as we know to begin with. She was hoping to get in a group that where she could support Iroha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the three of them went off together and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you were in a really tough group, Toshisai. And Toshisai is like, oh, it was elementary. So, meanwhile, it seems like you've worried your little butt off. So it like goes from using Iroha's <laughs> catchphrases to her own. It was like, oh, no. all right, my transformation out of it is complete. <laughs> and scene. It might be my favorite moment in the chapter. <laughs> it's just like, all right, and I'm out of character. <laughs> Uh, she also says, like, I, I got some support from Tayu, which is like, that's not surprising. You know, Tayu is part of her group. Um, 
And uh, so they're like, okay, you know, I I would guess that Toshisai is probably the top pick when it comes to a possible winner, since Group A's winner is probably another person from the Toshisai group. They get in there, and it's uh, not Omomuro, the last member of the Toshisai group. It's Anonymity-san, the girl who's literally just anonymous and has a censorship bar over her eyes to hide her identity the entire time. So everyone's like, wow, that's really surprising that you're the winner because, like, I mean, you know, you, you were the last person who passed the team-picking test. And she says, yeah, I, I I realized that there was no point to bother solving the puzzle in the first place. It was just a waste of energy. I don't care who my opponents are. Uh, but Toshisai still is like, how did you defeat, how did you defeat Yukako? And an enemy son says, oh, it was easy. I ended up as the chief investigator and just looked at all the code cards before I passed them out. And they're like, that's really not fair. That's cheating. Uh, yeah, that's cheating. Although they do realize like, oh, that means the she, yes, she solved 10 codes at a glance. So she took in all the information and solved them without having to reference them again. So that's still impressive, even if she cheated. Uh, and Toshisa points out, like, well, how'd you end up as chief investigator? And Anonymi says, I looked at all the character sheets while I was pretending to line them up for people to pick and then just chose it. Why wouldn't I just, you know, give myself the best advantage when the opportunity arose? Only a moron would leave things like that to chance. Wait, so none of you guys looked? How'd you win then? Actually, how are you not all dead? You all played the murder mystery game fair and square? talk about a stupid mistake and uh there is an image of her reaching up into the difficulty square and <laughs> breaking the stars it's legitimately <laughs> really cool i don't know why because you just see them shattering upon her hand um i mean it is weird because like if you were to cheat that much you would also and if you looked at the character sheets would you not just also know who, who was, the killer is yeah you yeah. would have just seen that part i guess so uh an interesting little development but um yeah uh fun chapter even though i did for a lot of it just kind of start nodding my head like yep i'm gonna yeah. take your word for it that this all makes sense I can only assume that it was important to her to wind up as chief investigator so she could look at the clues because, as Yoroha pointed out, it's not whether you solve the mystery, it's whether you convince everyone that what you lay out is the correct answer. So she needed to get as much information as possible in order to do it. So maybe she did go in knowing who the murderer was, but she, you know, needed to have as much information as possible to back up their point. There's also a really funny uh, errata at the end of the chapter, which is, if you do this in an actual murder mystery game, all your friends and family that you play with will hate you. So don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, uh, I saw that, I was like, that's a bit excessive, and then I thought, no, actually, that's correct. Like, everyone would hate you for doing that. Yeah, so. it's good to let everybody know. Uh, thanks yeah. to Sonic Gap, by the way, for the raid. Thanks, Sonic. Thanks, Gap. Yeah. I like to uh, call him Sonic, and I was like, no, Nick. Sonic? There's only, there's only one really Sonic today. Right. We also have to thank Sonic, though, for giving us his support. So I, This is not an exaggeration, Nick. I have a calendar that is Sonic the Hedgehog themed, and okay. next to it I have a little whiteboard, and I wrote the message on it uh, that's just like a reminder to myself that you are not a burden. And in my mind, 
it's the Sonic the Hedgehog character saying it to me every day. You're not a burden. Yeah, and then Shadow's like, you're not a burden, but I still don't like you. And then it's like, Eggman, <laughs> like, you're not a burden. You're a tool for my empire. Like, everyone, everyone gets like their wacky way of saying it. And I'm like, thank you, all my friends. <laughs> and I guess Blaze. Uh... Uh, that seems kind of like an, an unnecessary singling out of Blaze the Cap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so. I'm just saying, Nick, I don't consider her canon, even though she is. Clearly, it she's, been, she's been in multiple games. But, like, come on. A cat as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog? Never. Never she's just... got fire powers. They make her go fast. I refuse <laughs> to accept that. Plus, she was a uh, princess, I think. Anyway, Blaze so is cool. I, I needed a care. I wanted to come up with an obscure character, and I couldn't remember. Not obscure. I, I, could, I couldn't remember anyone from the Babylon Rogues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ginka and Luna, chapter 26, gifts. Uh, Gink, Luna is sacrificing her memories of Ginka in order to get a massive power up, and like night is cloaked around her. As she gets a massive power boost and she says magic's supposed to be fun, right? While she's taking on Magaraka. Uh, and of course, Gink realizes what's going on. We get a reiteration of like memory magic allows the caster to turn memories into spells. And the more they care about the memory, the more powerful they get. Magaraka's like, oh, what an interesting person you are. How? <laughs> and um, he his clothes are super heavy and he just falls to the ground. Ah. Uh, he's like, what, what, what the hell? Uh and I think that she actually, like, put new clothes on him. It's kind of hard to tell because I can't remember what he dressed like before this. And this is the first time we get a full body shot of him. So I think the clothes are new. Um, so Lu- Luna says to him, oh, you look so cold. Which is attached to one of her first memories of Ginko, which was when she came across a snowman, said it looked cold, and gave it her hat and scarf. And... In narration, Luna says, why did I do that? Why did I give my handscarf to a snowman when I was always so cold? Without them, I was a little bit colder. I wonder if that warmed him up. I wonder if it made him happy. I'm cold, but I feel a little happier. Poor girl, all by herself. Um, And she thinks about, you know, Ginka taking her snow bananas, as we saw in the very first chapter. And she thinks, like, actually, I didn't act really mind him doing that because how could I complain when I've been alone for so long? Uh, she's fighting with uh, Magaraka, turns most of his arm into flowers, uh, and she says, like, aren't they pretty? You can have them. It isn't easy to make flowers bloom, you know. I practiced that spell over and over again with... Who did I, I practice it with? And Ginka is literally fading out of her memories oh. as she fights more and more. And she manifests the memories that she's using into individual memories she has with Ginka. So there's the flower. Then she summons like fish from a time that she went fishing with Ginka and he just fades out of that memory. And Luna is starting to really exert herself during this. And she thinks, I thought I was prepared for this, but I didn't realize how much I didn't want to forget uh, and more and more memories fade out, you know, her like coming around to fire with him. And she thinks, good. I'm glad that I have so many memories that I cherish so deeply. But Ginka calls out to her. Uh, he's still not in good shape from the fight and says, you've got to stop this. You're, you're cutting away a piece of yourself like this. You've got to stop. 
And Luna just kind of gives him a smile and says, don't make that face. And she thinks there's nothing to be afraid of because even if I forget and forget and forget, there are just so many of them. How many gifts have I received from you? And even his name is fading from her mind. And as he, she tries to say it, it's getting scribbled out more and more and, and becoming more and more unclear. Uh, and she thinks that she owes him so much and she thanks him and says goodbye. And ultimately, disaster was averted. We don't even really see, I don't think, how she beats Magaraka, although she shoves her hand in his chest and roots grow out of him, so maybe that's it. Uh, but there's not really a confirmation of when the final blow actually is. Uh, and narration's flyout says that the battle came to an end with his apparent escape. So... It's not even like, oh, you beat the bad guy. The day is safe forever. It's we're in a weird space, Nick, where um, this series is clearly like speed running its ideas, but it's not ending. Like it's, it's not. not. It's not ending next week. Like we're in a spot where like, how long does this series run? Question mark. I don't know. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, and of course, when Ginga goes to approach luna she doesn't recognize him anymore all of her memories of him are gone so it sucks uh yeah i guess we'll see where the series goes <laughs> next week i have no idea at this point yeah uh it, it it makes for um i guess an intriguing level of this story uh i i can't say i'm like it'd be better if i knew the series was just ending and i could just appreciate this as kind of like an ending um mm -hmm. and i'm still trying to because i don't think the series can last that much longer i mean i guess you could use this as like a weird reset to everything because there's no conclusion for like Locke even in any of this so like you're like you gotta do True. something with that character i presume um but yeah we're in this spot where you're like just waiting to see if this is trying to wrap up or, or what it's it's very curious mm -hmm. yeah I, I i do understand that uh, i think it does take a little bit away from it when to just have the confusion of like okay but what's going to happen now um just because like even if you're not aware of the general context of things like the way things have been paced so suddenly in the last few weeks uh, and to go with this route where it very much feels like a final angle to go through. And then it's just not concluded with a sense of an actual ending is like, well, wait, wasn't that supposed to be the ending? <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's curious, but we will find out Nick. Let's talk about martial magic and muscles. This is chapter 148 mash burn dead. And the doors demand. That's a Dory, uh, Dorymon, uh, Dorymon reference. Yes, it is a Dorymon reference, and I wonder if that's also supposed to be a cream puff. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> that the Dorymon looks like. Yeah, so. absolutely, it's a cream puff. Uh, so uh, they've gotten Mash to Lady uh, Melia Duel, and she's like, "All right, I'm gonna save Mash with this artificial heart." She just slams it right inside of him. And it's got so many aortas. <laughs> yeah, too many. It's very disturbing. <laughs> Uh, she explains it's made from digitalist by Wizarding, the witch of the Eastern Four, all this lore that's not important. Uh, but they also <laughs> note 
has a high rejection rate and requires the patient to get 66 hours of complete bed rest. 66.6. Uh, but they note that like that, there's no way we're going to be able to hold off innocent zero that long. Uh, and then on, uh, on cue, Innocent Zero shows up, just teleports himself. He's like, I sense Smash Burnett's presence here. Uh, goes to fire off this big strike. But Melia Duel stops it with like this big punch. And she's like, look, until he is fully recovered, Mash is under my protection. Cut to the infinite white void as Mash is there <laughs> saying like, where am I? <laughs> And we are greeted with the door from Full Metal Alchemist. It just fully is. Yeah. It's not even, it looks a little bit like it. No, 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 no. Everything about this door is the door from Full Metal Alchemist. And there is a bean atop the door who we don't get a great look of, uh, but we, we get the impression to some sort of higher bean later who is like, what brings you here, human? And Mash is like, I'm looking for the way back. And the you know, sphere's like, you're already dead. Mash's like, oh, for real? He's like, that's not the reaction I was expecting. <laughs> and Mash is like, can you make me not dead? I left some things unfinished. It's like, what things? Saving the world. It's like, okay, I can send you back on one condition. You must leave behind what you cherish most. You know, like, there, you will gain another chance. Even though it may be temporary, you must still pay the cost. Nothing in this world comes free. An exchange occurs, and you will have the chance to restore peace. But it is only natural you pay a cost worthy, and I deem that cost to be that which you cherish most. Uh, then, young Mash, what do you have to offer me? And Mash is like, I'll give up. And he drops a cream puff on, like, a napkin. He's like, my most cherished thing. <laughs> and you just see the god, like the higher beat figure, like. There's just a beat. <laughs> there's no face. They're just looking down. And then the door shoots open. <laughs> it's a bunch of arms grab mash. It's like, no, bitch. That's not your most cherished thing. Your most cherished thing are the memories of your friends and family. You will forget them, and they will forget you too. Now leave everything behind. Only then will I give you the chance you seek. And Mash starts, like, trying to, like, you know, walk past all these arms that are grabbing him. Higher beads, like, a vain attempt. The door demands. The door of demands exists beyond the physical realm. You are not above the rules, mortal. The door slams. And then Mash's fingers shoot through the door. <laughs> and are just, like, slowly prying it open as, like, the higher bead is, like, well, I like the sound of that. <laughs> powerful bean dev I don't like the sound of that <laughs> and the door just flings open as Mash bounces through and he's uh, Mash is like I can't give you my most cherished thing but I need you to bring me back to life anyway okay and the bean's like were you listening to anything I just said and Mash's like kinda but I'm not the best when it comes to details and complex stuff like that <laughs> This no cells the higher being going there is an equivalent exchange, a toll that you must pay in order to pass through the door. It's like no, just let me out anyway. I wasn't listening. It I really it really does tickle me the mash smashing the door and it's being like, well oh, like the sound of that. It's such a good reaction. 
Uh, that smash. Very funny chapter. Austin, you should have been on it. Where's Austin? God damn it. Yeah, you could have been on this episode and refuted uh, any attempts to say that you're you're a horny little goblin toad, horny for <laughs> mommies to step on you, but you can't, and now everyone knows it's just the truth of the matter. Uh, knowing him, he would have just gotten horny over Melia Duel, and that would have been it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the cream puff. Austin. Or the yeah. cream puff. It's the cream puff Doraemon mascot in the yeah. beginning. He's like, step on me, cream puff sand. <laughs> uh, Professor Peanuts is here now, so everybody, please yep. pause briefly to acknowledge him. I'm going to show him to the world. Yes. Yeah, right here. Acknowledge nah, him. Nah, getting sued by Disney. Okay, so. Right, carry on now. Uh, it's uh, the Osa Samurai. It's, it's chapter 102, Family. 1335. That's right. We managed to get up to 1,335 Fast and Furious movies. Okay. Uh, yep. So uh, Tokyuki is hanging out with Yorishige. We get a big two-page color spread where there's a neat detail where uh, Genba is um, in the TV being terrorized by uh, the protagonists of uh, of uh, Yusei Matsui's other works. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yep, so um, they go to uh, see the, the great Buddha um, in uh, Kamakura Hall. Um, Nagoe, the young general, is there. He's getting fired up. And <laughs> he goes, Nick, go, what's with the energy? Come on, it's everyone's... Oh, uh, they go and see... They go, on, they go on a tour, Quinn. They go and see some sights of places that are here. Woo! Um, and uh, then eventually, like, they go up in a tree... And Tokyuki's like, I, 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 my brother and I used to climb up here, uh, and I first discovered this tree the day I met Ashikaga Takauji. Do you foresee me defeating him? And Yoroshiki just says, the future is uncertain. Let us go elsewhere so I may tell you the reason. So they go to another location, Hokoku Temple. And uh, Yoroshige says that uh, this is the resting place of Ashitaga Ietoki. He had committed suicide 50 years ago, and it is said that he made a wish at the moment of his death. In three generations, may my descendants seize power. Such wishes are powerful, and the prophesied child is born bearing a deep grudge, and also in a pool of blood. Uh, so that's nice. Um, so, Yoroshige explains... As the gods weaken and humanity strengthens, divine power transforms into human vitality. At present, that divine power is focused on one person, and that has given him the unifying force and good luck of a god. Ashikaga Takauji was the prophesied child who came three generations later. When next you meet, you shall know the essence of his power. His divine power is too strong for me to see the future. His power surpasses my own. If he unifies the land in reverence of himself, the divine power meant for others will flow into him and human progress will cease. Oh, no. Okay. So <laughs> that's a little bit wild for our historical fiction thing. Um, yeah. And he, and he says, like, that's why I chose you, Tokiyuki. So you've got to keep on doing what you're doing. Only human beings full of vitality can prevent Takauji's rule. And when mortal strength fails, Shizuku will prove helpful to you. What? Shizuku will get to do something. It's been so long since that's happened. I think the last time she did anything really of relevance was when she had that like board game match with Oh, what's her name? I can't remember her. I'm sure she'll never show up again. <laughs> so 
then they just kind of keep on going sightseeing after that. And Tokyuki is like, you know, he always kind of stops whenever it pleases him and leaves me confused. But Yoshige has done more for me than any father would. So all bonds between them isn't this nice. Uh, they all, they keep on going around doing stuff, visiting temples and, and places. Um, and uh, they, you know, get to see like sites that you're that Tokyuki remembers from his childhood. But, you know, he gets to go on them with his new friends and father figure. The night of August 3rd, Shizuku bolts awake and she senses something. Uh, there is a strong wind uh, which uh, disturbs uh, uh, Nagoe and uh, this dude over here with the mustache. And who should approach but Mima, the light haired girl that they encountered in Kyo? Uh, Kyo! Kyo! Yep. Yeah whose father sent before saying, let your divine power be the first strike in this war. Uh, and seemingly the storm is originating from her as she casts it forth towards Tokyuki's forces. Uh, I will say the last two uh, pages, uh, very cool uh, shading and, and, and poses and stuff. Uh, this whole thing of like, oh, Ashikaga is a demon who will literally stop the progress of humanity is like, all right, this is a real guy. So you're kind of like going a little overboard with this <laughs> so, at this point for me. Um, it's getting a little bit into it's getting a little bit into like historical propaganda territory, I feel like. Uh, but I don't understand the context of things well enough to, to get that. Uh, it's just that I'm getting certain vibes off this at this point. So I have mixed feelings about this chapter. Uh, I had boring feelings about this chapter, so that's my thoughts. Uh, I, I just haven't been super invested in the, the elusive samurai in a little bit, so it's just kind of a, a thing to read through it's, and see. I get that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk, Nick, about Black Clover, page 354, Judgment Day. And we open with Master Luscious saying, the day of judgment has arrived. Let's take our first step for the sake of true peace. Uh, so uh, all of the magic knights are gathered around inside the uh, whatever club kingdom, Clover kingdom. <laughs> they're gathered around the club yeah they are the club uh <laughs> and everybody's there uh we even see um i don't what was her name lola pachika fuck yes queen pikachu and her friend okay. scarface man uh and then i think you know's mom question mark i don't really know who that is i think it's you know's mom uh everybody's you know kind of gathered around they're like you know shit's gonna get real um, but they have the full force of every magic knight available. Yeah, including the captain of the purple orcas. Look at him right there. Every, everyone's big fan. Like, don't worry, guys. I'm here. Um, we interrupt this tension for a moment for Charlotte to go to Yami and say, like, hey, I just need to apologize. Uh, I'm sorry. This poor just woman. <laughs> She's like, I just want to apologize for avoiding you lately in this battle. I'll fight and carry out our mission, my mission without letting personal feelings get in the way. And Yami's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, nobody's worried about that battlefield comrade prickly queen, which I want someone to be like, too many, too many words. You can't make that yeah, a nickname. Too There's too many things there. 
Uh, and he, he says, like, hey, once this fight's over, let's go for, uh, oh, right, you can't hold your liquor. All right, well, then have tea with me because there's something I want to talk to you about. Now he's a pretty cool dude. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Cut over to the great hero, Jack the Ripper. I <laughs> uh, says, I like Haw! how we've got, I've got, I like how we've got all of these, 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 I can't remember this name. So here's a different name from you. But you always remember not only the Jack the Ripper, but that he is a great hero. He is the great hero, Jack the Ripper. And he's like, ha! He says that. He says, ha! He's a goose now. Yeah. If you're coming, I'm going to slash you up. And then Master Luscious is like, hello, friends. <laughs> and I... Not exactly. What is this fingers doing? Exactly. Hello, friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he has someone behind him. What is that? Nature Boy Rick Flair neck? Oh my god! Why would Nature Boy Rick Flair uh, betray them? And it's like, no. He doesn't even have angel horns. What's going on here? He's not Nature Boy Rick Flair. He punches a hole straight through Jack the Ripper, uh, revealing, of course, that Slash's one big weakness is puncturing. So <laughs> that's pretty crazy. It's light magic, Nick. It's like how you use spears to defeat sword users. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Fire emblem. Uh, it's Morgan, Nick. Dead Morgan. Yeah. Morgan, who's dead. <laughs> uh, he's been brought back. Uh, there's also like scientist guy whose name I don't remember. <clears throat> and I don't know what it is to make a funny name off of yet. So... Um, Let's call him, uh, what was the guy that uh, Ryu fought in Hueco Mundo? In Hueco Mundo? Zero Porto Grands? Yeah, so he's he's uh, Graham Crackers, or whatever you said. <laughs> uh, and Mario Leona and Fuego Leon are there to be like, we're gonna burn you up. I don't, okay. They, they don't do that dance either. <laughs> they're, they're not like... Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, we didn't see Nozelle, and Nozelle's loser siblings are like, no, it can't be, because Noelle's mommy is there. She's alive. I, Silva, something Silva, Noelle's mm -hmm. mom, she's there. She's dead, but she's there. Yes. And she has uh, devil horns. What crazy... Light starts opening. Uh, it was her name was Acer, Acer, uh, Acer Computers. Noel, I get it. Okay. Uh, the light starts opening from the sky. People start pointing like, "Ooh, angels!" And we start seeing angels circle the Clover Kingdom as Master Luscious says, "And now." Let us bring happiness to the world. He's doing jazz hands in my yeah, version. Yeah, the whole I, time. I don't think he's doing jazz hands in the real version, but it would make it, it more might fun be. if he was. It's a yeah. close-up on his face. He's it might like, be. Yeah. and now, angels. Ha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Uh, yeah, so this is the big, like, well, ass is not there, so all the good guys are going to get their asses kicked. That sequence coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, I do appreciate the scale that everything is being shown in, where they're like, oh, look, literally everyone that could potentially be here that has been pre-established as a good guy in the series is here except the black bulls of course because they're still looking for asta um yes. but uh 
I do appreciate some of the stuff that happens in this. I like that, you know, Aesir is, is being brought in. It's very much like that saga in Naruto, where it's like, oh, all the dead people are being brought back. But it's like, okay, but there's only so many dead characters that we can actually establish. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. Uh, I don't really know about how she looks, not because I have a problem with the design, but because she looks too much like Noel, which I know is the point. But still, it's distracting. Uh And I really think that the fake out of like, what? Why is Noct in their side? It's like, oh, it's his twin brother, Morgan. That's that's a good review. That's a good reveal. Yeah, that's well done. If you're going to revive a bunch of dead characters, these are kind of the ones I think you had to hit on. Uh, And Mandark, uh, which is what I'm referring to the scientist as. Oh, Mandark! (laughs) <laughs> uh, his real That's name an awful you, thing to have to listen to in stereo i'm so sorry uh, yeah if you want to have a go at uh, coming with a different name for him his his name canonically is morris liebardert i mean morris feels like it should be easy to remember yeah it does. um and I can't, eventually I create too many fake names that I forget what the actual fake name I've given okay. is. So maybe he'll just be Morris until next time okay. when I forget. And I'm like, who's this dude? And I Morris. have some new thing off the top of my head. Right, I'm like, we'll Nick, see, we'll what see. was the name of that scientist from the Teen Titans? <laughs> Big that, was, uh, that was my fault for uh, for trying to force it. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll let it come naturally next mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, again, I'll forget everything. Just, All right, that's just, right. Just challenge me. Yep. We'll forget everything like like Luna did. Yeah. One Piece ch- <laughs> chapter 1078 Escape Limit. Uh so <laughs> I could not believe they revealed this. <laughs> Sorry, just thank you. Uh, so we cut around to some of the laboratory again. Uh, first off, seeing that Stussy is still with her group with uh, that got split off from the Straw Hats. She's still going along with uh, Jimbe. She is on a Denden Mushi uh, talking uh, with people. Oh, gosh. I always forget this guy's name. The big Sabo Sa- Satomaru. Sa- is that it? Sabomaru? Satomaru? Sentomaru. That's it. Right? That's it. Please. Uh, yes, it. Sentomaru. I got it eventually. Okay, so She's talking with Sentomaru and says that, uh, yeah, so Vegapunk has been continuing the forbidden research that doomed Ohara, and also Egghead has military power that Ohara did not. So that's why they are the government is so intent on blowing everything the hell up. Uh, and meanwhile, CP0 is trying to eliminate Vegapunk and also waiting for Kizaru to arrive specifically. Uh, they, we cut over to where Sentomaru's group is, and he's like, okay, you, you all hear that? Yeah, we don't have time. Everyone evacuate because the Navy is going to kill everyone here. They're going to leave nothing but rubble, if that. Uh, Frankie uh, and company have come across the Hancock Seraphim. And as it turns out, the petrification that was happening over Frankie's body only half took. Like when it showed up, it's only half his body. That was where it actually stopped. Only half of Frankie was uh thought that girl was cute the other half of him did want to kill her yeah the other half of him was just thinking about how cool robots are oh my god dude i'd be saved from every i'd be so safe from i'd constantly am thinking about how cool robots are and sonic those are two in those are two absolutely pure thoughts that you couldn't do anything with uh 
Yeah, so Frankie's like, undo the petrification! If you surrender now, I'll go easy on you! He's, you know, he's just, he's still frozen there, but he's swinging his fist. Uh, Pythagoras, the little Pythagoras head comes up and is like, ah, S-Snake, who ordered you to? And the Hancock just lifts her leg up to stop him. And there's a, then there's a huge explosion, which I think is unrelated to the stomping because that just gets a crunch. So <laughs> I think it crunches and then afterwards, it presumably Pythagoras explodes, which Pythagoras is my favorite. How dare you? Oh. <laughs> Someone needs yeah. to take up that mantle of yeah, the name triangle. Pythagoras, which is very cool. So many triangles associated with him. Uh, Robin's group is running around hoping that nothing bad has happened. And <sighs> Vegapunk 3? The big one. So five. she... Five. I'm never going to get these straight. So... Well, Nick, they're uh, killing them, so you're okay. <laughs> you only... Uh, we're down to four member numbers you need to remember. <laughs> Uh, so she says, "Like, yeah, there's a there's a lab. Oh, wait, maybe it is three. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I thought uh, York one is, is six. One is Shaka. Two is Lilith. Three and four are Edison and Pythagoras. I can't remember. Yes, yeah, so okay. she's five. Okay, never mind. So she's five. Replica Rabbit. How so dare you <laughs> lead me astray? No. Uh, she says that yeah, there was this lab that we used to locked up for a while." Uh, so, uh, Rob and Shepard are like, okay, well, we can try looking in there. You lead the way for us. And so she heads off. Uh, meanwhile, things are not looking good for Nami's group, uh, as well. You know, Brooke got the ship beaten out of him. Uh, Edison is damaged as well. But fortunately, Sanji is there and, uh, has, I guess, fully embraced the, uh, Germa, uh, modifications as long as they are in the service of protecting Sanji, uh, protecting Nami. Because the Jinbei clone punches him full in the face while he has his arms crossed, and he says, "What would you know about the power of love?" And also, science—it's—it's it, science has a great deal to do with this, but it is pretty cool that he just like tanks it. Yeah. Uh, Luffy and Zoro and company are still trying to defeat the Mihawk and Kuma ones, but their flames just won't go out, and then they realize, like, wait a minute, the the Mihawk one is gone. Where'd he go? Uh, and. Uh, Lucci realizes that uh, he's changed his assassination priority, so he's probably going after the weaker targets first, and then he'll come back to us. Uh, and if they happen to be comrades, it will have the benefit of rattling the stronger targets. Uh, so Zoro goes off after after him, and uh, then Luffy... <laughs> this is such a silly joke. <laughs> Luffy turns to Kaku and says, Yeah, go with him, Usopp! He's gotta get lost! And Kaku first reacts and it's like, What am I, an errand boy? Wait for me, Roronora! Wait, what did you call me? This <laughs> <laughs> a little delayed response. Who? <laughs> I know he met Usopp, but it really would in my mind. He's like, who? And <laughs> uh, no, he has to know, because Usopp is God Usopp in, in, in the, the bounty world, so everyone knows. Mm. Uh, Luffy goes after the Kuma clone some more uh, and just punches him over and over again. He's like, go out, fire! And Luffy's like, come on, you gotta fight smarter than that. Nope, he's Luffy. Uh, then we get to narration that says, this has been a record of the events before the day of the famous Egghead incident, but its course was set in motion three months prior. And we check in on Bonnie who has seemingly finished experiencing the memories left for her by her father as she has just collapsed on the ground and is just 
tears pouring down her her face. Uh Three months ago, in Mary Joa, there was a call from Egghead saying, I want to speak to the ones in charge. Dr. Vegapunk is studying the void century. So CP5 was dispatched to ascertain the truth and found no evidence. The ship mysteriously vanished after leaving Egghead. Subsequent agents were sent from CP7, then CP8, but none of them returned to the government. And the voice kept on coming in saying, this is Egghead. I want to speak to the ones in charge. So after a discussion between the five elders and an unknown figure, the genius scientist's betrayal had been made clear. The elders made the call to have Dr. Vegapunk assassinated. Cypherpole Aegis Zero undertook the mission. But anticipating a counterattack by Vegapunk, the elders chose to make a visit in person with Admiral Kizaru as protection. Reinforcements were requested from naval bases far and wide. The deployment made it clear that they were expecting war. And it's not just Kizaru who is on the way. We see that there are a number of vice admirals, including Dahl, are also going. Yeah. Austin, somewhere, just uh, there's like a big boing, boing sound effect. It's Austin, turn to attention. And of course, who should Ready have to be stepped up? on. Yep. <laughs> who should have shown up in this situation but fucking Luffy in the Straw Hats? Uh, and as a result of this, you know, also people react to this being like, wait, what the fuck? Straw Hat is there? God damn it. Uh, and that's why Akainu was so fucking pissed off is because he wasn't going on this mission. <laughs> He's like, God damn it, Straw Hats there. Uh, the resolution of this incident the following day would inflict the kind of shock the world never saw coming, which makes sense. There's a lot of very, very, very important figures all gathering together here. So there's a lot of the ways that this could cause uh. world affecting changes. Meanwhile, in that abandoned lab, where Vegapunk and all of the captured cypherpole agents are, and where uh, Shaka has been shot through the fucking head, Vegapunk says, was this all you're doing? Answer me! And there is a clicking of steps, a creaking of steps, as someone approaches and stands before Ve- uh, Vegapunk. And it's York, whom we saw get petrified before, but got better? Uh, and there could be spares or something. There's there's a lot of questions to be answered. A lot. But. So she literally just gets down in front of Vegapunk and says, "Hey, Stella, you know what? I'm gonna be a celestial dragon." And Vegapunk says, "Like you, you know what Mary Jo is like. You really want to be like those horrible people." And York's like, "Ah, that's just like what Shaka would say if he weren't dead already, because I shot him through the head." Which, by the way, how does he have a head? Look at the size of that gun. What yeah. bullet went out of it and left his head intact? Cannonball. Uh, and she says on top of that, the world only needs one Dr. Vegapunk. Because they're all Vegapunk. Uh, so, um, York is the personality of Vegapunk who takes care of, you know, all of the base needs. So wanting to be a fucking super spoiled aristocrat. Yeah, that tracks. Um, Her life at this point is eating, shitting and sleeping. I feel like she, she has a great fucking uh, deal. But she could eat more. <laughs> that is true. She could eat and just forego shitting completely, you know? So, yeah. Um, was definitely not expecting the 
giant woman to be the assassin. <laughs> it's curious. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a shock. Uh, I will need some stuff to be explained, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a good. It's, it's good. Yeah, nice twist. Uh, okay, that's it for manga this week, everybody. Uh, let's say talk about what we liked. Quinn, what were your favorite chapter in uh, MVP? This okay. Um, favorite chapter is a little tough. So I'm going to start with MVP. I'm going to give to Billy from um, hmm. Undead Unluck. I really thought he was funny. I thought he came off as cool this chapter. Uh, but I liked, I really, really, really did enjoy just his, his little segments. Uh, I am going to say Luna from Geki and Luna, because okay. although this has been a twist or a development, I will say, that has come very suddenly, a lot of the stuff that she's talking about did get me in the heart. Uh, oh. So I, I, I have to say it was still effective. Uh, and, uh, I will give credit for that. Uh, for chapter of the week, I'm between like two series. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Mashal. I really, really mm. enjoyed Mash this week. I, funny chapter. Very, very, very funny. Very amusing. My other one was was going to be Blue Box, but I was like, I feel like I've been giving a lot to Blue Box. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw Mash that for a very, very funny chapter. Uh, I'm going to mind to Cypher Academy. Uh, this chapter was dope, uh, despite how little I was able to work out of the puzzle myself. Uh, I thought that the way that Iroh was able to lay things out was very, was nice. And I love this reveal of anonymity as like the next big hurdle in this. Just the, the over the top nature that she's introduced in uh, is great. So uh, I did very much enjoy this chapter. But there were, uh, despite the fact that we had some missteps this week, I actually thought that there were quite a few really good chapters as well. I really, really liked Mastral as as well as you did. I thought the Black Clover chapter was good. I thought the development in One Piece was cool. Blue Box, great. Akane Banashi, great. Unfortunately, yeah. we had that Spy Family chapter and that Boruto <laughs> chapter, but yay, can't win them all. Can't, so. can't win them all. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Ginka and Luna as their chapter of the week, and then Luna, I agreed with you, as character of the week. Nice. All right, y'all, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you for joining us for the show. We record here live on twitch.tv slash T Wednesdays in the evening at about 7.30 Eastern time. So tune in when we do that. You can also catch recordings on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com as well as on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash weeklymangarecap. Catch the video version there. And also we're just generally wherever podcasts can be listened to if you look up Weekly Manga Recap. We would like to thank everyone who supports the show. You can, if you want to, so show some monetary support over on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Recently, we posted a, a bit of a buddy chat that uh, featured us uh, playing a game that nobody can see. But it was yeah. a lot of fun for us. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be up very soon. Uh, that's patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Uh, we would also like to thank everyone who's just part of our Discord server, which is the best way to kind of keep track of what's going on with the show right now. Uh, if we there's a blast that goes out whenever the stream goes live, whenever a new thing gets posted, and also it's a great you know place to discuss stuff. There has been some nice discussion of uh, the recommendation that we've been working on, uh, weekly chapters as they come out, all that good stuff. Uh, you can also use it to find the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which uh, keeps track of a bunch of statistics associated with the show. 
including like the MVP and best series voting, uh, and also like the annual stuff that we do at the end of the year. Find out if a series that you know we've you, you wonder if we've covered a series in the past, it'll be tracked there as well, or you can just add it to the recommendations page and maybe we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to thank as well Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsley Dutch Hitter for creating the opening sequence of the show for the video version. And Steve Mann, who does some uh, title cards for us. You can check out his art- artwork wherever boobs can be drawn on the internet if you look for Steve Mann art. Yes. And that's going to do it, guys. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Monster Musume next week. Um, we'll let you know which one of these revolting fantasy <laughs> monsters is our favorite. <laughs> um, well, Quinn, uh, don't, 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 don't give too much away here. <laughs> no, you get to find out which one of these disgusting little freaks we, we, we begrudgingly have to say is our favorite because one of them, yeah. I guess, that technically has to be. Yeah, waifu by default. That's uh, what we'll we'll go with. I refuse to go with that. I would never waifu any of these characters. Uh, But maybe I would. So, like, if all of the Monster Musume characters were, like, the Toy Story 3 toys about to go into the furnace, Mm -hmm. one I would want to go in last. Like, they're all going (laughs) into the furnace. Like, that's where they're headed. But, like, instead of them all holding hands, they just keep pushing each other down. And I, there's one that I'm yeah. going to want to, like, be the last one into the place. Yeah, you, you want you want them to be the last one standing. And then also the arena blows up. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so look forward to that discussion, everyone. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. <laughs>